Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the 2020 Mindset Leadership Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen. And today, I'm super excited to introduce to you my next host, former Olympian and current Weber State assistant coach for track and field, Tiffany Hogan. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So um, I had a lot of fun, um, I guess, stalking you on the internet. And um, you may not know this. I was at BYU for, I I joke, a cup of coffee. I was there for one semester Uh in the spring of 1997. I had signed up for football there. Uh And obviously the indoor facility had not been built. And so they had that terrible turf right there that was near the indoor track. Uh And I remember watching you work out and just going, oh my gosh, does this girl ever stop working out? Like you were there for hours at a time and working on the smallest things. Like it could be like knee angle going over like a hurdle. It could be, it it was really fascinating to me and really cool. And I didn't know who you are. I never introduced myself to you, but when I saw you at Weber State, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's her. I had to go look you up. And, and, and then I knew it was you because you'd been in the Olympics and everything else. But how, how hard did you work? I mean, I mean was, was that something that came naturally? Did you have to, like, learn to love the lonely work? Because you were there. There was you and one other girl. I have no idea who she was. But you, you worked so hard, so hard. Well, I did seven events that were named as one. So I, I, had to, I had to master multiple disciplines in track and field. So I had to learn how to uh, be very good at shot put and javelin. And um, hurdles already pretty much came naturally to me. That's what I did in high school. Um, I had to learn to be really good at high jumping, long jumping. And then, uh, so I was a, a diverse athlete and um, there was there was carryover between events. However, there are things that are just so specific to each to each individual event that um, I'll have to say. Growing up, I was taught work ethic. Uh, my parents had us outside weeding and mowing lawns and building fences and and doing all sorts of stuff. My dad was a swimming pool contractor, so I learned at a young age yeah. um, I could skip school and go to work with dad, which I totally loved. Uh, getting out of school to go and work. Um, so I learned to, to work at a young age. Um, but I have to say my first few years of of college, I wasn't a very disciplined athlete. Like things came naturally to me. I was successful. Um, and it wasn't until I tore my ACL that uh, I really got disciplined and my work ethic uh, just total 180, where I wasn't trying to skip anything in practice. I was trying to master everything that coach laid out on the on the workout for us to do. And you were saying that, you know, little, little shin angles and knee angles and those things um, in our sport, we're trying to just pick up hundreds of a second and that, that determined the win. And so those little teeny things that we had to work on uh, sometimes could make a big difference. In, in, for my event, it was points, but for time. Right, right. So, so an injury jolted you into an even better discipline and an even better work ethic. Yeah. Yep. I was uh, playing intramural basketball, which wasn't supposed to be doing and uh yeah yeah coach wasn't real happy when I came in and told him so uh, I'm sure I'm yeah. sure yeah I was at my most successful season so I did that in 96 and 97 was actually the year I had a lot of my best marks in the, in the heptathlon so gotcha gotcha so um where where tell us where you're from originally how did you get to BYU how did you get into coaching 
So I pretty much grew up in American Fork and then um, in Utah and then about middle of my junior year of high school, uh, my dad uh, became disabled from a car accident and we moved down to Southern Utah to where it was warmer. His body handled the warm weather better. Um, he has chronic fatigue. He just happened to deal better with the weather down there. I moved down there, graduated from Pineview High School. Um, actually moved next door to my future husband, but didn't know that for another oh, 18 years. But um, wow. so from there, um, I was recruited uh, by Craig Poole to go run at BYU. Uh -huh. And um, from there, he ended up being the Olympic coach in 2004, which is the Olympics that I went to. So that's, that's just my times that I was able to perform in, in high school, got me a college scholarship and, and a degree. Wow. How cool. How cool is that? Um, do you, not, not the dictionary definition or the encyclopedia, but how do you decide, how, how do you uh, define mental toughness or the mental game? Oh, geez. Um, I did get into some sports psychology when I was in high school, came across a book that I just fell in love with. Um, and it dealt a lot with uh, positive self-affirmations. And I actually photocopied little parts of that book and hung it up in my locker yeah. and, and would see that every day when I'd go and change. I played basketball in high school. So I'd see these little affirmations that said, I am strong. I am powerful, these kinds of things. And um, I came from a family of seven children. I was a middle one. So I got picked on, but I got my chance to pick on others. So <laughs> I got a lot of mental toughness at home. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and it just carried over into sport. Um, I was always one that I wanted to win, and so I was willing, I was willing to do the work. Um, and so it was, if I wasn't succeeding immediately, I knew down the road it would happen. And I had always set goals for myself. I uh, learned about the long-term goals, midterm goals, daily goals, and looking at the positive uh, things that I had done. Um, there were times I'd go into a meet, and I'd, be, I'd have a cold. And I'd hit a decent long jump mark and I, my teammates were like, hey, you know, good job. You won that meet. And I go, hey, that was, that was a PR for having a cold. You know, like I always looked at it as what oh, is yeah. the best thing I could get out of this. Like it wasn't a tremendous mark. I won, yay. But, you know, with the circumstances that I had put in there, like I wasn't feeling very good. Uh, there were other times. So in my event, the heptathlon, I would do those events in a heptathlon. But there were times to practice them. I'd have to do them against open event athletes that were far better at those specialized events that's all that they trained for so for me i would have prs or personal records in the heptathlon and have personal records in the open events and so to just have all these goals to chase and to be able to accomplish them frequently really helped with my success yeah. like just always be feeling successful Wow, that's a that's a really cool way to look at it because you could have looked at it as I'm always losing or I'm I'm always fifth, you know. Like, well, and that's the thing with the heptathlon. You have weaknesses. Everybody's got a weakness. You yeah. cannot be tremendous in all seven events, uh, and so you just know going in, you're trying to. In my event, it was you get points depending on how fast you run. It's not if you beat somebody; it's how far you beat them by, the time gap that you have in there, and the same with the throws and things. So it's a matter of giving your all every single time and knowing that they're going to give their all. And if you, you just want that gap to be as small as possible. And so you don't go into it going, Oh, I lost. It's okay. I lost by a little bit, but it was still good enough. Like that's yeah. just how we had or, to it. Or I lost by way less than I thought I was going to. So that's a win. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. Yep. Right. Yep. 
Wow, that's really interesting. What do you remember the name of that book? That sports psychology book? Um, I actually have it right here. Awesome, awesome. I want to. I want to hear it. I've been loaning it out to my athletes, and so I figured I'd probably better reread it again. It's called The yeah. Mental Athlete by Kay Porter. I love it. I love so, it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, know, you like, what see. type of books you read, what type of things that you do, because these are, these, are, these are fascinating. I mean, this is an Olympic athlete. You're an Olympic athlete who read a book when you were a sophomore in high school, and you felt like it was powerful for you. I, lo I love that. I love, I love hearing that. Do you think... Do you think that one of your parents or both of your parents um, were naturally mentally tough or had developed that kind of stuff and accidentally rubbed off on you or purposefully it was rubbed off on you, uh, this mental toughness and ability to look at things in a positive way? Uh, well, I think both of my parents were very tough. My dad grew up in a family of 12 kids and he was one of the youngest, raised on a farm. Uh, if you've been around many people that grew up in small towns, farmers, they're tough. I mean, they get up at the break of the break of dawn, taking care of the chores and things, and then go off to school. And he was a multi-sport athlete in high school. Uh, my mom, um, she had one brother. And then when she married my dad, she's like, hey, I want to have a big family. I love your family. It's awesome. And now that I have kids, holy moly, my mom was tough raising seven kids. Right. I mean, <laughs> I've got three and I don't know how she ever managed it. Uh, that's um, amazing. Yeah, she was, she was tough. Um, there were things that I find out about, you know, later in life that I was like, I never knew as a kid that I'm just like, man, she was just tough, tough, tough. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. so it probably, it probably rubbed off on you like subconsciously and consciously with them. They were just, they were just Yeah, tough. my parents, my parents never said I couldn't do something. It, you know, I had the goal from age of, I think it was 12 to go to the Olympics and it was never Oh, I don't know. You know, they ne that never, there was ne never any negative talk about it. Yeah. So yeah. How, how great is that to have that kind of belief, right? Like, yeah. I, I talk about it all the time. Like there's, there's coaches, there's parents, there's people along the way that believe in you in some way, somewhere that, that, that can change the course of your history. And, yeah. and I, I, I'm really grateful for the people in my life. And it sounds like your parents were, we're great that way and supportive that way. Interestingly enough, and I don't know if this has any correlation at all, but uh, I've interviewed 25 coaches now, and I think there's like four more that I'm interviewing, but you're the third with seven or more that has mentioned that as part of like their toughness, right? Like one had 10, one had nine, you had seven. Yep. I mean, these are large families where you got to, Apparently you gotta you gotta fight for that dinner that <laughs> dinner scrap, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. That's interesting to me. That's interesting to me. Do you feel like um, your definition of mental toughness has changed over the years? Like, do you think it's different now than what you thought it was when you were competing, and even when you were like a sophomore in high school? Well, I think it just keeps evolving. And sometimes it's just discovering new things and new, new um, techniques that you can use that I love learning about um, and being able to implement those things. Because there's times where, oh, just, gosh, what was it? Last year, I went to the national meet NCAA championships and one of my old teammates was there. And we started talking about, oh man, and our coach was very inventive. He came up with all sorts of stuff. We were his guinea pigs. I mean, we this were, is Craig Poole. This is, yeah, yeah, this is Craig Poole. We were his I guinea think, pigs. I think he's from Logan originally. I think yes, he was he friends is, with yeah, my uncle. Yeah. yeah. And 
uh, we were talking about, man, what if you would have had all these devices that they have nowadays, the cryogenics and all these things that weren't available in our day. Um, the overspeed, our overspeed, um, now you have overspeed treadmills. Ours was an old Volkswagen Beetle that he had the top taken off. He would drive that thing down the track and we would hold on to something that was um, created to, for us to hold on to. Um, and so it's just all these things and it, and it goes over into the mental toughness side of it. But learning these new techniques of things that we just didn't have available when, when we were when we were yeah. younger, you know, back in the day that, we, <laughs> that are available to us now. And I love it being able to, uh, you know, find something that I've read and print it off and give it to my athletes and say, hey, here's another little thing, little tidbit yeah. that I can share with you and, and make you better. And, and thus times are getting faster. People are just being able to recover better from things. And the mental, mental strength happens to deal with being able to recover. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, I've, I've now interviewed Paul Pilkington and I've interviewed Corbin Talley and, and you're the third one that, that I've interviewed, but the, the, the athletes at Weber state are incredibly strong mentally and incredibly willing to take any sort of coaching to, to find any sort of edge that they can get. It's been, I think the Weber State athlete is impressive just in general because I think there's a little bit of chip on their shoulder that they didn't get recruited to a certain school. And then they're making the best out of where they're at. And uh, I think that all three of you as coaches have really fostered an environment that is, is mentally tough naturally. I mean, long before I got there. And it's been really fun to work with your athletes. So that, that's a, a real tip of the cap, in my opinion, to, to, to the work that you guys put in because you guys – you guys not only believe in the physical part, but the mental part. And I think yeah. that kind of support is helpful to me as a practitioner, right? And then mm -hmm. helpful to the athletes because it really is a mental game. Uh, the higher you go, and you can probably attest to that more than me, the higher you go, the more mental it gets because it's just fractions and fractions of a second and yeah. millimeters of a distance and all these different things that become so yeah. So One important. thing I wish I would have um, bought into a little bit more was working with the sports psychologist. We, we had one that was available to us uh, back in my competitive days, but we were still of the era of if you weren't already mentally tough, that there was something wrong with you. You know, you're going to see a psychiatrist. And right. so there were times, like we had one that would come and visit us at practice and stuff and would say, if you need to schedule a time, you can schedule time with me and things. And I would see him at conferences and things like that. And he was a fun, great guy. And I just wish I would have bought in a little bit more. I, but I've, that was my pride. I mean, that was the era back then. I, I feel the exact same way. I mean, there's a guy by the name of Dr. Rich Gordon up at Utah State who's like, he's in the textbooks now. I mean, he's worked with golfers. He's worked with track athletes. He's worked with all these athletes. And he was constantly just like, hey, Riles, you know, my office is open if you ever want to come back. I never went. I never yeah. went. And I – and I think a little, I, I don't know if it was so much stigma as it was just like, oh man, I don't have time for another thing. Like, another <laughs> thing. like in my head, I was just like, oh, but now learning the things that I've learned and being around the athletes that, and, and seeing them improve, I really wish I would have had some of the, because my whole mindset was, well, if it's not going well, you just need to work harder. Like you just need to grind harder. You need to put your head down. Don't yep. be a baby and just work harder. And there is some wisdom to that there is some wisdom to yes. that, but, but man I could have been a little bit smarter in my grit and in my tenacity to try, yep. try and be as good as I could so yep. um do you find yourself um 
quoting, mimicking, mirroring any coaches that like had a huge influence on you while you were uh, coaching there? So when I was in high school, I was a pretty lazy athlete. Um, didn't help though that one of the years I had a fractured hip and so I wasn't able to do a whole lot of training and I just show up at meets, which my teammates hated because, well, I was just, I was genetically blessed. We'll just say that. Um, and so I would win and they weren't happy that I wasn't training and yet I'd show up at meets. But um, the coaches, the coach that has made the biggest impact on me has been Craig. And then, and then it's within the circle of people that I work with. Um, I've, you know, the old saying of, of, surround yourself with people that will make you better and, and I've had some great coaches that I've worked with um, some down at Desert Hills when I was coaching high school um, and then as I've gotten up here to Weber State working with Paul Pilkington and Courtney Talley and Robert Weir and and some others that you know I've, I've been around and it's been awesome to be able to to shoot ideas off of each other and, and sometimes you'll shoot an idea off of them and they're like oh that didn't work when I tried it and you're like oh okay now I can see why it doesn't work and, yeah. and then other times they're like, you know, I never thought of that and vice versa, you know, they might throw something. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm totally going to implement that, that you're going to use with your group. I'm going to try that with my group. And, and our groups are, are so different between Coach Talley and, and Coach Pilkington. They work with distance runners. And I work with sprinters, the power people. I work with a group of athletes that when they're trained, the, if you stereotype them, they don't like pain. They want everything fast and, and, and get it done. Um, yeah. Of course, that's not all my athletes. So that's when you stereotype them. Right. Um, but there's things that carry over between our groups that have just worked up, worked out great and to be able to you know to bounce ideas off of other coaches that have experience can help you help you out how do you how do you recognize a mentally tough athlete can you um well once you're actually coaching them um yeah they're the ones that make it come back the next day after a hard day the ones that finish the workout even when it's not going the way they want it to mm-hmm. Uh, and there were days where I was crying at the track, you know, and, and I had some athletes that were crying one day and I was like, what are you crying about? Stop crying. Like I was trying to be funny. And, and they still tease me about it to this day that I told them they couldn't cry to practice. <laughs> but, um, there are times where it's, it's tough. Uh, you know, you work so hard and something just is not clicking that day. Um, and there's times where I had to just walk a lap. Like my coach trying to give me coaching advice and I said, give me a minute, like, let me go. Let me come back. Let me calm my head and come yeah. back. And, and I've got athletes that are like that. They are just tough as nails, just can work through anything. Um, and I can see when it gets frustrating. Um, I've got a girl that if she's not smiling, I know something's going wrong. Like she would smile through repeat 400s where other people would be like, I'm not showing up to practice because it's repeat 400s. Like it's, right. Right. so, yeah, just tough kids. Love it. Yeah, that's, uh, it, it sounds like to me with all the coaches that I'm talking to that if I, if I find the answer to being able to recruit a mentally tough athlete, then I'm going to make a lot of money. So I, I, maybe, maybe we'll get together sometime and like start throwing ideas together and we could be yeah. the coach's guide to recruiting mentally tough athletes, right? So. Well, and I think it's just having experiences that gets you more mentally tough. Um, yeah. I mean, just seeing an athlete from one year to the next difference on how much they learn. I mean, obviously, physically, they get better but you can see how much deeper they get. Um, I had an athlete one year, his junior year. Um, he thought he was pretty mature, which he was when you compared to the rest of the team. But his senior year, just night and day difference on how much more mature he was. He was much more mentally tough. Physically, he was doing better. Um, and then he would start comparing the other guys, the younger guys. Why aren't they doing this? And I'm like, you didn't do that either last year. 
It's just fun to watch the growth of them just from year to year, just from going through experiences. That's what gets tough. It just doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, I've, I've heard uh, there was one coach that, that we talked to that said that uh, playing college sports is a marathon, but to be successful in college sports, it's a race to maturity. And I kind of thought that was interesting. Like <laughs> you're racing to maturity because once you become mature and you're able to balance schooling and the work and all the different things that you need to balance, you're going to put yourself in a position to be successful, but then you have to be patient about the success in the meantime. Right? So it's, it gets complicated fast, but I think it's, it's really fascinating to see it and to, to see the light go on for some athletes all of a sudden they just, they really blossom and that's got to be rewarding as a coach, right? It is. And I love it. Um, what's your biggest failure so far and how did you overcome it? And, and how has it made you a better wife, a better mother, a better coach, just a better person? Well, I think some, well, the, the biggest failure was the start of my uh, first probably two and a half years of college of just not putting in the work I needed to at practice. Um, I actually was um, one that was cutting out on weightlifting my first couple years of college. Um, uh, coach had listed A through G on the workout, and if he wasn't watching, I skipped C and, and E and G and, and, you know, got the rest where he was watching, but not all of it. Um, and I wonder how much better I would have been had I had that much more work under my belt before getting out of college. Um, but having, like I said before, having that injury, it led, it was actually the year of the Olympic trials in 1996 when I got hurt. Um, and I had made a qualifying standard to make it to the trials. So to not be able to go, that was kind of my turning point of, hey, I actually am good enough to go after this goal I had at 12 years old. Because as a 12 year old saying, hey, I want to go to the Olympics, that's, that's so far away from actually becoming a reality. And here I am at, I don't know how old I was, 19, 20 years old, um, making a standard that would get me to the trials and be able to, I wasn't going to make the team. There's no way I was going to make the team, but at least get the experience of competing against that level of athlete. Um, that was a turning point when I was, it was taken away from me. I was unable to even walk for a week um, to then realize what I'd lost um, and my passion for it just grew. And I was like, you know what, I'm not skipping out on any more things, getting everything done doing all the little things that I think are monotonous, but they really do help. So. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because you, you, I don't, I, I, for lack of a better term, you rip on yourself in high school, you rip on yourself <laughs> in college for not yeah. being a hard worker. And here's, here's an Olympic athlete. And you know, it's interesting to listen to you say that you skipped workouts. I mean, that would drive you crazy <laughs> as a coach right now, if you knew that was going yes. on. Right? Yes. So we'll try and keep this a little bit secret from your players, but I'm not sure I can do oh, that. I know it. And, and that's one of the things I can take to them saying, you know what, um, the year I started lifting, um, it was actually the year I blew my knee out, but I recovered so quickly from it. Um, they tell my story all the time in athletic training classes because of how quickly I came back. Um, 11 months after surgery, I actually set a world record. And so, and that was attributed to my work ethic finally turned around. Um, I was stronger because of the weight training I was doing. Um, and so that just what? all that played what do you, into it. What do, you think, what do you think was going on mentally as an 18 year old, you're a freshman and you're like, eh, I don't need to do C and D and G. Like, what, what was going through your head? Well, I was working way harder than I had been in high school. So. Gotcha. Um, like a coach would come over in high school and say, we're running repeat 300s. And 
here I was, I'd actually transferred high schools the year before I'd won hurdles at state. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm pretty cool. And I go to this new high school and the coach is like, we're going to do repeat threes. He's trying to pull me over. I go, you know what? I need to work on my long jump. Oh, I need, today I need to work javelin because I was already a multi-event athlete at this point. Oh, today's a high jump day. And this coach let me do it. Let me get away with it. And he so I created a them. monster. <laughs> I created a monster. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. That's that's really interesting. I mean, I, you know, you, you in some ways I like it that you're admitting that you're fallible and that you had some of these weaknesses because I think we look at Olympic athletes, right? And we're like, no, they do everything perfect. They ate everything perfect. They trained perfect. They didn't miss a workout. They didn't do anything wrong. And really for everyone, and this is what I'm realizing about the top athletes that I work with, the pro athletes, the Olympians, these people, is that becoming world-class is still a process for you and was a process for you to get to where you need to be. And it was adversity, interestingly enough, that like triggered you to work harder. Yeah. I mean, you never know how it's going to show up, right? It just, yep. it just does. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a really cool story. Thank you for sharing that. Thanks for being vulnerable enough and courageous <laughs> enough to share that, that you weren't the best worker when you were younger. Yeah. It's hard for me to believe, especially knowing how successful you were, but I'm going to oh, go. I'm definitely a hard worker. I, you've, I always, you've always been honest with me. You've always been honest with me. So I'm not, I'm not challenging you now. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I were to go back to your peers in high school or in college and they were to fill in these blanks, what would they say? They would say Tiffany will be successful because she blank. Jeez. Um... Well, okay, so if it was by the end of my college career, it was because I worked hard. Okay. So, you know, from the beginning, <laughs> I don't know what they said at the beginning. Um, they had to have known that the point I had to at the beginning was because of just natural talent. Well, you know what? It's hard to say that, too, because I was in a great training environment, which is the environment I've now carried over to Beaver State. It was a growth environment where we, we really pushed each other to be better. And we were very genuinely happy for our teammates when they succeeded. And I've seen plenty of programs where if, if one girl succeeds, her teammates are, you know, won't talk to her. Or they say nasty things about her because she's now better than them. Right. And we, we don't have that. And that was the environment I was a part of. It was very much a growth environment. Uh, we bought into helping each other which was sometimes helping coach each other at practice. So when your teammates succeeded, yeah, they might've beat you, but they helped pull you along as well. And you, you kind of get this leapfrog effect. So, and I was part of a great training environment. That's really, that's really cool. How, how do you think Craig Poole like fostered that environment? How did you do that? Cause I don't think that's easy. Listen, I, there were, there was times when I was playing where I was like, man, I hope that dude gets freaking injured because I should be starting. And I, and I, I'm not proud of it. Right. I'm not. Yes, proud right, of it. right. Right. Um, and, and then there was other times as I matured a little bit that I was just genuinely excited for any success that happened to teammates, like just whoever it was, whatever position. And I think I, as I, as I matured a little bit, it became better, but I think that's a hard thing to learn. Did you, did you feel like you were naturally that way? Or did you feel like because you got put in that environment, it was like, well, I better be this way if I want to be a good teammate. And a Honestly, good... I think it was just a personality of the girls um, because there was a, we had a big group of freshmen come in my freshman year <clears throat> and the older girls on the team didn't have that 
same type of a personality as us. And as they moved out, um, it just changed over the next, well, I don't know, even at least the five to 10 years I was at BYU, because I was there for four or five years after I was done with my eligibility. Um, that atmosphere was just there. And I think a lot of it just had to deal with the personality of the athletes from the, the get-go. And then it just carried over to each new group that came in. Um, and, it, and it was, and part of it was that we helped coach each other. I really think that was part of it because um, you want the people you're coaching to be successful. You don't coach them to be bad. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. and, and I think that was part of it. Like we'd help watch each other's check marks and um, because our coach had many places that he had to be. Um, he couldn't always be at every single station, especially at a track meet. Um, and so we would, we would help watch each other and give each other coaching tips. And so you, you wanted them to be successful. We wanted our team. Um, we really bought into a team atmosphere um, mentality, even though we're an individual sport, once we got to the college and the, and the national championship level. And we, you know, we wanted to bring home some trophies for the team. So cool. That is, that is so cool. That is, I, I think that happens in championship organizations. I don't think that happens um, probably in like 75% of the schools. So that's, yeah. that's, really, that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, what, what advice would you give to yourself 15 years ago as a coach? As me yeah. as the coach or me as an athlete? You, well, I, so how long ago did you start coaching? Let's go back to the very oh, first. Well, I started doing summer camps and things when I was in college. Um, I just had always been an analytical mind. Um, I actually had a throws coach that would ask my opinion quite a bit at practice uh, to help him spot things in other throwers. Um, Mm-hmm. And so I've always just been an analytical person. Uh, we'd analyze our videos after track meets. We'd break them down slow-mo and do all that kind of stuff. Um, so I've been coaching since, oh my gosh, pretty much almost as long as I went to college and beyond. So it's yeah. been 20 plus years. So I guess what I'm asking is more like, what, what would you say to yourself as a young coach that might make your path a little bit easier on you if you had you know, maybe it's, maybe you needed more patience, maybe you needed more this, or what, what would be the thing that you'd say to, to a young Tiffany? Um, to try to find more, and I know we are here on mental toughness, it is to find more little tricks of the trade for mental toughness, to be able to give little one-liners, things like that, that really work. Um, and to be able to express them as like little one-liners. Um, that's where I feel like I lack a little bit. Um, and so that's where I do a lot of, of my research now is in that kind of thing. Um, it would be nice to already have that background, but I don't have that background. So yeah. it's, it's just a matter of accruing it so, now. So it sounds like uh, if, if, I'm, if I'm restating what you said in my own words, right, mm-hmm. that it would be uh, coaching – in a more precise manner, like in a, in, a, in a precise, compact manner. Yeah, it's getting my athlete to understand um, how to be mentally tough. Because I've had some that just naturally are, and then others that develop it, but some that would have if they would have stuck with it long enough, and they don't. Yeah. And it's being able to, I guess, pull that out of them earlier in their career. That's what I would like to be able to do. Gotcha, gotcha. So. That's really, that's really interesting. I mean, I think um, when I, when I look at the mental game and, and trust me, uh, 
you know, I'm still young in my career and I'm, mm -hmm. I'm doing the very best I can and studying it just like you. Yeah. Um, the, the thing that's interesting about the mental game is that tiny tweaks lead to monumental changes and it doesn't take that much to unlock something. I mean, I, there's been a couple of athletes that I worked with in the track program that I'm just like, that was so little. And they're acting like this was like, you know, like I want, and I was like, that's just a little tiny tweak. That's all it was. But um, I'm learning that these little tiny tweaks can have, you know, marginal impact, like a lot I had a, impact than you think. Yeah. I had a, a sports site uh, guy, um, Dr. Keith Henshin. I like to call yep. him Dr. Dr. Tension. That was just our nickname we had for him. <laughs> um, he, he had a presentation for us where he'd ask us how much of your sports performance is physical and how much is mental. And, you know, he's a sports psych guy. So we're like, it's all mental, you know? And he's like, no, it's not true. He's like, his, his equation was it's 95% physical and 5% mental. But the 5% I'm, controls your 95. So I'm, I'm part of his coaching tree. I've heard him talk about it and I, I totally agree with him. But I think the thing that he added to that, Dr. Henschen, was that it's the first 5%. And then, you know, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and that it was important, but it maybe wasn't that you had to spend as many hours in the mental game as you do in the physical game. It was, yeah. but you need to be able to control your mind so you can control your body, so you can control your performance. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I see that even at home with my own child. She's, she's struggling with some math and she's got to do a math test. That's all online now that the whole COVID thing. And she's all upset because I'm making her do homework. So she goes and does this test and does horrible. Like three out of 30 questions she gets right. I'm just like, oh my gosh, send her to her room because I'm all upset at her and stuff. Well, we both calm down and let her go play and have recess and then come back in and she redoes the test. And does remarkably be remarkably better, and it's all because of attitude, you know. And and it and it goes the same in 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 sports. You know, when your yeah. attitude is ready to perform, you're going to perform well. Yeah. So and it's that's a it's a little mental toughness thing. Sometimes you'll go into a situation where you don't necessarily feel prepared, but if you are ready to go compete, you'll you'll do fine. It's kind of like when you were telling your coach you needed to, to walk a lap, like just keep yeah. a lap. So yeah, you give me a lap. You can change your attitude <laughs> and, then, and then come back and compete, right? Yep. Yep. No, that's that's fascinating. I I love Dr. Henschen. Um he's I don't know if you've seen the book that he wrote. Did you see did you see that he wrote a book recently? No. It's called Don't Leave Your Mind Behind with Dr. Oh, like Henschen and Dr. Like Detlin. And <laughs> boy, is he a funny guy or what? He, yeah. So I it's interesting because and and I, this is just a side note to all the things that you're talking about. But my dad was the tennis coach at Utah State when I was growing up. Okay. And so he sent me to Dr. Gordon when I was like 12. And and Dr. Gordon's like, now Riley, are you here because your dad wants you to be here? Are you here because you want to be here? And I was like, I'm here because my dad told me I need to come. You know. And he laughed and we were honest. So I had a couple of sessions with him that were really, really great for my junior tennis career. Mm -hmm. And then I got to high school and I was starting on the varsity basketball team as a sophomore. And I was scared to death to get fouled at the end of the game because I couldn't hit my free I was sitting like 48% of my free throws. Well, my dad's down here in Salt Lake at the time. He looks up Dr. Henschen. So the two experiences that I had were with phenomenal, phenomenal. As are phenomenal. Sports psychologists. And so to me, um, I think that's what kept me interested in it for so long. And I, I love tapping into their minds. And, and still to this day, 
if I get a chance to go to lunch with either one of them, I can't even wait because I'm just like, oh, what do you do in this situation? And how did you do this? And how do you work with this? And they're just really, 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 it, it's amazing that just here in the state of Utah, we had such a wealth of knowledge in, in that game in mm -hmm. the Bentley arena. And so, yeah, I'll, uh, maybe I'll have to order that book up and just have it sent to your office. Cause Ooh, I love it. It's a really, it's a really good book. He's a, he's a great guy. So, well, um, the last question that I wanted to ask you is just lots of unknowns right now, people losing small businesses, losing jobs, people are sick. Um, any thoughts, any help, any words of encouragement to the people out there that are struggling, that are listening to this? Um, well, for the athletes out there, um, just keep staying physically active. You don't necessarily have to continue doing your sport. Um, one thing that I love as a, a college coach is recruiting athletes that are multi-sport athletes. Um, they just have such uh, much better motor skills when you're trying to coach them and give them a corrective technique. They're able to rely on, for me, I'm a track guy. Uh, if it's a basketball cue, they might pick up on that. And so it's, it's worked really well for us. Um, you know, just stay active. Um, and, and being active and getting outside is going to help with um, – the mental side of things as well not just keeping you physically active but helps with um because there's a lot of people getting depressed from this whole situation um, uh, my family we're trying to get out and go hiking more and do things like that where we're staying away from people still trying to social distance but um right. yeah it's it's just trying to um we, we had a little saying on our shirt one year of champions adjust um, and there's lots of people um, that are going through situations they have to adapt now to they've lost the job and it's finding something else they can do to help support their family. Um, yeah, I love that quote. Yeah. So I, if I had to describe mental toughness in like one or two words, it would be uh, adaptability, ability to adjust or flexibility. Like that's, that's what I think it is, right? Like champions yeah. adjust, like period, yeah. like, like you just taught the whole lesson. Great job, Tiffany. Like, <laughs> Thanks. I, I think that's that's so clear and concise and just like it's it's what it is, right? You, I've never met a, a a super successful athlete, a super successful team, or a super successful corporation that hasn't been able to adjust in adversity, that hasn't been able to um, handle adversity with a plan instead of just like winging it. You know, yeah. they have, they have a plan for it and. Wow, that's yep. just really, that's really cool. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for sharing that. Any, any last stories that we should know about you or about the Olympics or any, any, <laughs> anything that you, you can think of that sticks out in your experience in Athens or wherever else that, that we need to hear from the mental aspect of things? Well, a, a fun story that happened to me at the Olympics um, doesn't really have to do with mental toughness other than I didn't run well because my mental toughness was there. Um, we do seven events and the first day we do four events and your last event is the 200 and I'm getting in the blocks doing my little preparation thing and they call us to set but I'm nowhere near ready for the word set even though it's in Greek I know what it is um, and they call us to set I'm still not ready and they shoot the gun as I'm raising my hand which is a signal to recall everybody well they don't and we get points for how fast we run and I throw my hands up in the air like what is going on they don't recall the race I'm going through all sorts of emotions, all sorts of emotions, wow. trying not to cry because I get this cameraman right following me everywhere I'm walking. And we're running at 10 o'clock at night. And the next event's the 10K, which takes a really long time. 
So if we were to protest and I run later that night, it's not gonna be till like 11, maybe even midnight. And I still have to come back the next day and start at like nine in the morning. Well, luckily some officials had seen what happened and they got me into a later, later heat, which at that point I was so emotionally drained because right. you know here I like I don't know what to do like it's a yeah. situation you cannot prepare for like you try to prepare for everything but you can't prepare for that right and and so I didn't adjust very well um and, and I ran a great I don't know 160 170 meters but sadly the race is 200 and so I faded pretty <laughs> bad <laughs> and and, I, and for me I have minimum standards for myself um and if I don't meet those in each event then I allow myself to get upset and for me, it was 25 seconds in the 200, and I ran 24.99. So I saw that time flash up. I just had to, I had to let it go. Like I laughed at my time because I wanted to be mad. Like I knew it was not a good race, but I couldn't be mad because that was my goal that I had set for myself. I can't be mad if I run better than 25 seconds. Wow. And so by the next day, I decided I'm just gonna have fun because I'm no longer in contention because my goal was to be top 10. Right. And um, so in the long jump, if you've ever been to like a big professional meet, they'll do, they'll clap for field eventers. So I got the clap and I never had the clap, but I'm like, I'm just going to have fun. Who cares? Well, I ended up hitting a PR on my last jump in the long jump and decided I was going to try it in the javelin and it was fun. Like I, I did okay. I ended up 20th, so it wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, but you know, I, I had fun with it. Yeah. Um, one, one, one experience that I had, which was we're talking about your attitude and thoughts was I was a very good starter in the, in, in my sprints and um, gosh, what was it? Our conference meet, I ended up setting the world record in the, in the hurdles. Well, a few weeks later we go on to nationals and there was another guy from our conference that had set the world record in the dash. So I said it in the hurdles. He said it in the, in the 55 meter dash. He ended up false starting and in college you cannot false start. You're disqualified immediately. Right. Well, he ran before me and he false started. He should have won. He holds the world record. He's no longer at the NCAA championships because of it, because of his false start. So right. all I can think about in the blocks was don't false start, don't false start, don't false start. So here I have these negative thoughts. I had one of my worst starts ever. All right. these girls who I would normally have a step on out of the blocks have a step on me. Uh, and so immediately after that race, I knew I would never have that thought again because yeah. it affected my race. Yeah, going back to Dr. Henschen, he always says, you know, the worst thing that you can do is start a sentence with don't as an athlete, right? Because, you know, if I say don't think of a pink elephant, don't think of a pink elephant, like, Guess you're what? thinking you just about a pink elephant, elephant right? And so, yeah. um, you just have to, that, that's interesting, you know, just, and, and he was a great runner, and you were a great runner, and it, it's amazing how that can have an effect on us, right? Yep. I guess I guess some of those pictures that I was stalking you on it, that must have been when when the 200 because you have your hands up like this like you look yep. really confused. Well, yeah. at least they, at least they let you run in the next heat. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yep. Woo. That that's high pressure, man. I I can't even imagine how stressful and how much bandwidth you used in your mind trying to wrap <laughs> your head around the fact that like, I just missed the start of a 200. Like, well, it was amazing how many emotions you can experience in such a short right. amount of time, like anger and fear and just like sure. all these sure. things to know how long I trained to finally make the team. Cause I'd missed uh, more than once making the Olympic team at this point, I'd already had a son and had come back right. and training and, and to then miss my race when I was, 
not quite ready for the commands and and they saw it and they still didn't yeah so oh, man. You know. man i'm feeling i'm actually feeling some of those emotions <laughs> for you right now that's crazy crazy well thank you so much tiffany for joining us um we're we're, we're so proud to be associated with you and i'm so happy to be part of the weaver state team because of coaches like you it's been such a fun experience for me and just to be around an Olympic athlete and a, and a major division one coach with so much knowledge. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your mind with us today. <laughs> thank you for having me. Okay. Thank you, Tiff. We'll, we'll let you get back to your family. All right. Thanks.